ever wondered if what you do really matters in this world? This is the Giving Gifts Podcast, a place for real people sharing real stories, navigating if they really matter and how to use their gifts in this world. No matter how old you are, what life stage you're in, or where you're at in this world, I think in some capacities, we all are asking the same questions. Do I matter? Do I make a difference? Am I important? Is what I'm doing important? This episode is so special for so many reasons. Jonathan Murillo has this safe disposition that invites others into a conversation where you can put your guard down. You can trust that your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences are going to be respected and honored and supported and cared for. Jonathan has a way of connecting dots for people's ideas, gifts, stories, and even connecting one another. When you find people in the corners of this world that are so committed to a purpose as well-intentioned and beautiful as Jonathan's, you celebrate that. If you ever wondered if what you do really matters in this world, I am so thankful that you're about to listen to this episode right now (laughs) so tell me about just life I mean last time we met up it was in Costa Mesa yeah um and you were kind of you you know running running I felt like running everything there (laughs) (laughs) um and then you've made some big moves and tell me about it yeah it's 2020 was crazy for us because um, we were having Bella, our first kid, and um, Cindy was also my partner. She was also discerning a ton of just vocational, directional opportunities um, that had us in a really open space. Also, Bella was born like a week before the the pandemic started, so I was able to be in the room and everything, which was awesome. But right after that, it was just complete like world shut down while we had this newborn and kind of discerning these directional things. So that I think opened us up to some possibilities that we weren't considering otherwise. And and it resulted in Cindy taking a role at a university up here in Oregon. So then we moved with a six month old (laughs) uh, from California to Oregon. We lived the first year in Portland and then are living just outside of it now in a little town called Hillsboro, right outside of Oregon, which never thought like that would happen. Like I, I grew up moving around a lot, but uh, Cindy lived in Orange County her whole life. And so I kind of like settled into like, that's probably where we're going to be <laughs> for a while. Um, but then, yeah, the opportunity came and a lot of my college friends were up here already. Um, so it was always like on the radar, um, but it was really cool to move to a place that we already had some built in really good community, like, you know, people that were in our weddings and just that we've kind of did life with beforehand. So it was, it's been fun. It's, it's crazy. It's, uh that was almost three years ago now it's two and a half years ago um but still feels like we're just kind of starting our life here in Oregon but it's been really good Mm -hmm. yeah I mean that's like a that's a big transition in the midst of a pandemic with a newborn like that all of those are already transitional huge transitional phases and then you just like stack them on top of each other yeah in some ways (laughs) I feel like it had to happen that way if it was just one of those things at a time we would have been able to kind of Um, make some excuses around you know why it doesn't make sense to make a move like that or um but then it's also hard to tease out too like especially being on the other side of some of those choices 
uh, it'd be like this change in like my personality or in my like even just what feels important or like in the way I live my life. Like, is that because I'm a parent now? Is that because I live in a new state and culture or is that because the world's still trying to like get a hold of itself? Every time I've heard you talk or read something you've posted, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Tracking right along. And so um, it's fun because I don't have any specific outcome with this yeah. podcast. It's simply to give you a space. I think some a common theme I see in you is that you're pouring into people so often. And so to just give you a space where you feel poured into by by having space to take for yourself too. Oh, it's so it's so affirming and settling and encouraging to keep going. And I, I feel similar and sometimes I don't know how to make sense of what do you call this? <laughs> what do you call this way of being or this kind of work or this, you know, maybe it'll make sense looking back in the next five years, but I, I resonate with what you said, I fit, and I felt the same way about you, where um, through your brand, through your work, it's like you said, just having eyes on the connections um, that are happening within you, with the people that you know, and like you said, like having eyes on these different corners of the world that like are still so good and rich, uh, but maybe they don't aren't connected to each other, and so hoping mm-hmm. to, to draw those connections because you know I want this person to know this person, I want this person to be aware of this concept um or this kind of work because then i think our shoulders drop a little bit and it's like i'm not alone and this is worth working on this is worth um leaning into staying present to because like you mentioned earlier about swimming up stream like there's so much gravitational pull to not think this way not view people this way view ourselves this way put keep putting yourself out there by the things you publish or or keep speaking about like there's so much currents in the other direction that's like conversations like this i think are helpful and like i do feel poured into by them because it's just a reminder of like there is something here mm-hmm. um, and it's like settling and, and stirring at the same time you know that game that people play at our seven degrees of separation i think is what it's called where you like give two actors and you have to find how they correlate connected, yeah yeah i feel like um that's my favorite game to play in the world with people just being like okay Jonathan you're an organ and how can I figure out how you are connected to xyz in New Zealand it's because when we actually pay attention to our connections in this world and just how our stories intertwine and just how we um are often intersected with each other it's amazing how much we're actually connected in how big the world is but how little it is yeah yeah and one of the the frameworks that i use in like coaching it's called the five voices and uh my my leading voice is connector um and i would you know be suspicious that's pretty high for you too but uh and it is that kind of like there's an energy that happens you know in the connection and in the um um the possibility that i could just i i I feel something different in my body when I'm able to connect people or, or draw connections. Um, and, and that like kind of unlocks something for me and like allows me to even focus in on what I'm doing, even if it has nothing to do with me, but just if I can connect people and know that there's a connection happening, it like kind of returns me to my own context with mm-hmm. some fresh energy. Uh, Cause it's like, that's happening there. And I just need to know that it's happening. And then I can kind of carry out my portion of whatever it is. Uh, with some new freshness. So Mm -hmm. I'm with you. 
I heard the seven degrees of separation specifically related to Kevin Bacon. I don't know if that's true, but yeah. that it was like seven degrees of connection that everybody in Hollywood is connected to Kevin Bacon um, somehow. So that's uh, people have dedicated way too much time uh, to that, but I'm glad they figured it out. <laughs> I have not heard that, but honestly, yeah. when people people connect actors, I'm like, I have no idea who you're talking about. I'm the worst with that world, like names and celebrities and movies and like knowing who is who. I have no idea ever. Yeah, me too. But I have people in my life that are super plugged in. So <laughs> I do like to be watching something and having like IMDb open, like, okay, wait, I know this person from somewhere. Who is it? That's kind of like even the small portion of this connecting energy is like, I need to know kind of what else they've been in. And yeah, always, always looking for those things. Yeah. So you've been kind of in this coaching, consulting world for a while. And I want to get to talk about, and if, I'm going to, ask you if I'm going to say this correctly. Is it homily? Yeah, homily for sure. Okay. Um, so I want to get there, but I also know that that's been a buildup and a reflection of a lot of things. And so I kind of want to give you space to just kind of, how did you get there and what are, what, how did coaching or consulting or coming alongside people, especially in like small business or social impact business happen for you? Yes. Thank you for just the invitation to try to make sense of my own life. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I use the handle of guidance work because I think a lot of us are in that space um, of guidance work, coaching, consulting, advising, uh, accompaniment, you know, um, I think is like how you said, just guy, working alongside people. But I always say that my LinkedIn doesn't make sense. Like if you look at my job history or the things I've been involved in, it's all over the place. It's nonprofit community development. It's um, universities, working with college students, it's faith communities, it's small businesses and startups. Um, so the industries don't make sense, right? But the through line for me, as I look back on it, was there was always this, this, this realization that any position that I ever had didn't exist before I had it. I was always, and for, for like decades of my like work, I was taking on a new position or a brand new organization that had never existed. There's no playbook. There's no, um, you know, desk manual. There's no like, well, this is what we usually do in April kind of training or onboarding. I've never had that in any position I've been in. And it kind of even invited me to reflect back even further on how I was raised growing up. I, um, you know, I've moved over 20 times in my life across seven different states. And I think I just developed this like, almost like a stomach for the startup um, phase of things uh, that not a lot of people have, I think, like this ability to weather the ambiguity of something new and still hold on to the possibility of it, um, that there is something in startup culture, they call it thrashing. The first five years of like a project, it's thrashing. And you don't know what it is actually, who you're serving actually, like what your message is, like all of that is just being reiterated and reiterated and reiterated. And for a lot of people that can be really taxing the change management, the uh, emotional weathering of all the newness. Um, but for some reason that had always been where I found myself. So that was a thread, you know. And then the other thread was that it always had to do with um, kind of the growth and transformation of people the impact of creatively making the world better. Um, it was never just for business benefit or even for like perpetuating what's been done before. It was always for how do we think outside of ourselves? 
so even with it's with faith communities or universities it's like what's our what's our um impact footprint um you know thinking about how we're contributing to the world's best future um and then the the third thread i'd layer in is it's always been about like communicating these concepts that are kind of hard to do and helping others do that. I work with a lot of people and have worked with a lot of people who have really unique insight. Now there's a phrase for it, thought leadership, right? Like people have, uh, they become a thought leader in their space or in their industry or their community. Um, but helping people articulate that uniqueness and then to package it into um, experiences, products, programs that other people can engage in and experience that transformation that comes from their unique way of thinking. So all those things combined to get me to where I'm at now, which is really to help um, accompany leaders, founders, creatives through the, the beginning stages, the messy beginning of just figuring out who it is, who it's for, what is it, you know, all the different startup choreography, um, being a, a partner with them, a thought partner with them in their own personal interactions with those things in a real coaching kind of support and challenge space and then helping them communicate it, helping them package it into digital products, programs, services, like package it, all those things that come with like actually getting it to a place where somebody can engage with it. That's really the work of that I've been doing in different brands and communities, but also that homily is seeking to do. Hmm. How would you say, I'm curious about this because I like, I have also moved around quite a bit. So I had moved 32 times by the time I had turned 30. So, um, and even when I moved to Mexico, a lot of people were like, wow, what a crazy adventure. And I was like, that's so fascinating. Cause to me, this is actually maybe the first time in my life that I'm like seeking stability. <laughs> um, and, and craving that. And I'm curious for you, how, the the posture of moving quite a bit or just having to readjust quite a bit um has i think probably has pros and cons to the entrepreneurial like side of of life i'm i'm curious if you want to speak into that at all oh absolutely i think you know personally i always say like i'm really good in the first you know 60 minutes of a conversation in the first 6 months of a relationship past that point, <laughs> it's new territory. Um, it was really in like post-college early career was this whole exercise of learning about roots, consistency, stability, um, rhythm, even on a daily basis. Cause I was so used to everything getting changed on a whim to then being invited to at the time, you know, working with um, these um, immigrant women from Mexico and, and Central America in a small neighborhood in Southern California who've spent 10 years just cultivating a three block radius and caring for the kids in that neighborhood, caring for the, the community there, organizing, advocating for change in that small thing. Like to me, I'd always had visions of impact has to be big. It's got to be grand. It's got to be mobile, but to see impact being you know, daily and consistent and rooted and grounded was new for me. And so that was a huge learning and they, and they kind of taught me a lot about that in a lot of ways. And so in, in the startup space, it's really helpful to, because some people are afraid of 
their own possibilities. And so to say like, no, let's like, let's explore that. Let's go to that territory, like draw that out, cast the full vision. What if you did just move? What if you did pivot your whole business model? What if like, I'm not afraid of that because I can hold the possibility of that changing later loosely. I can hold that loosely and it doesn't shake me as much. And so I can kind of try to gift them that kind of confidence that you don't have to be shaken by a pivot or by a change or a disruption because we can adapt, we can adjust, we're resilient. Where it is a challenge is like you do, I, I can, I, I, this actually happened this week where I'm feeling myself pulled into like another side project. Like, oh, I'm starting to imagine what that business model could be, what that um, uh, messaging could be. Like, should I start working on that? Is there something there? And it's because for homily, I'm at the place now where it's all execution. There's no like fun sauce of like, oh, what if it's this and what if it's that? I've made those choices. It's really clear on the strategic plan and it's just about executing consistently. And and but for me now I'm I feel myself pulled into this other project. So it's like, oh, it's just like a fun side project. But I think for me it's that um ego pattern of um I'm safer in the concept. I'm safer in this like possibility. N- I, it's it's more of a challenge to just do what's right in front of me. Yeah. Um, and so I have to rework that and catch that and be like, okay, well, that project is nice and shiny. Um, that grant, that investment, like that's nice and shiny. I can pivot all of it, um, you know, but that's where things like mission drift come into play, mm-hmm. um, where things like um, mission bloat happen, where like, well, that counts as what I'm doing. Like that that can also count for who I am and what this mission is. Um, and it's really an invitation to consistency and focus um, and uh, and showing up to it, even though it's hard. So what's what's sometimes the people I work with, what's hard for them is the change, is the the disruption and the adapt, adaptivity required for bringing their vision to life. For me, it's the opposite. It's like once we get past that point and it is just about consistency and showing up and executing where I need to call on a different like part of me. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, hundred percent. I can uh, relate to that. Like I um just published a kid's book and uh, the whole process was just, I mean, it's all new, right? So writing it, getting it, like working with an artist and talking to this person and getting it, you know, here and doing the campaign, like all of that's new. And so for me, the newness, even with the risk of failing is, is fun and it's comfortable And if I'm going to fail, I want to kind of fail quickly too. Like I'm very comfortable with failing, but quickly. And um, then the book like came in and I got the boxes in my car and and I took them home and they brought them inside. And I just was so stuck on, so now what do I do? How do I move past kind of the, the newness? And this has been a theme across everything. I use the book as an example of that, but that's kind of how my whole life feels of, you know, once you're in a place where something that you visioned, imagined actually came to, and now it's time to take the next step to moving forward into, into that, like, uh, taking care of it and watching it grow and, and doing the more mundane day-to-day life with something you created it's so challenging. Like there has been so many moments where I'm just like, oh, I want this to be over. Like, I want this to fail because then I know how to restart. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's happening with the project right now, actually, where we're starting to call into question some of our earlier um, 
you know, choices around the business model. And, and I'm, I can feel myself getting excited because that means we get to start from scratch. That means we get to kind of go back into research and development mode. And, um, it's an invitation, I think for me this time to one, it's the first time I think I've caught that impulse. Oh, and then to reflect it on it. Like, why do I feel energy here? And is that telling me something about like, there could be an opposite invitation that was like, sit with, sit with it um i don't know if you're familiar with the enneagram or, or at all or if it's helpful but you know i identify as a type seven and type seven in in full integration in health kind of moves towards the five so i imagine that like i have to sometimes watch it in my brain like the the diagram of like no don't get so scattered like move towards this focused like able to sit with complexity and in a non-judgmental way like understand the options um and that's like the impulse that's coming up. And I'm like trying to pay attention to that. But then also to gift again, that ability to weather change and failure and possibility to those who it is, it does feel daunting. It does feel um, like it is gonna end the world for them, you know? Um, Cause it is, it can, it can be a gift to offer to people, um, but it's also recognizing where it could go awry for yourself. Yeah. Well, and you had, you had written this, I got your introduction email when I signed up for homily and I just was loved the way you said this of like, I had this vision, I pursued it. I pivoted, relaunched, failed. And I was thinking like, what an incredible introduction to something, right. To just, to just say like, this is where I'm at and how many people can relate to that feeling, you know, or to that, the fear of that progression where maybe for you and I, we get excited about that type of progression. I think a lot of people fear it. And so to be in the midst of, of something like that, but then also to use that to, to connect people. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you might hear um, a, a three-year-old resisting nap, nap time in the background. That is, <laughs> so that is okay. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it, when when you quoted that, was that something, was that kind of the project you're working on now that you're kind of reimagining? No, um, it was a completely different brand. Um, it was a completely different startup. And um, yeah, I started it with so much energy and passion and I, days on the whiteboard, you know, documents and Google Docs and uh, you know, a website up and like actually got traction. There was actually people engaging with it. There was, you know, financial flow happening. There was a team of people like super passionate to contribute. So I had people contributing in a lot of good ways. Um, and then for, for that project, it was a lot of like life pivots and learning how to like hold a consistent like side hustle <laughs> while also working full time, having family commitments, all that stuff was a lot about self-leadership that I hadn't I was just running on the fumes of like my personality and like my passion of it versus trying to consistently um, make space for it in my life. But beyond that, that's just one thread of it. I think why I chose to start homily with that real, with that introduction, like I could just not mention that. Um, but anytime you're starting something, you have to reckon with these questions almost at every turn, like why this, why me, why now? <laughs> and, and I think, as somebody who things are always open, there's always possibility. That old startup, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I'll bring it back, you know? Um, 
but saying like I failed was like a real finality to it that it, I needed to do to let it give birth to something else and let that like the, you know, the death of that thing be what fuels the life of homily because I learned so much about these early stages of a startup, these early stages of a venture that like now I have tools for frameworks for perspective on that I can help other people with. And uh, that is the biggest like contribution of that old brand is is to to kind of help others. And, you know, John Mark Comer has this way of talking about like when you have a vision for your life, it always is it turns out to be way longer, way different, uh, way harder and way better than you think it is. And that's what it is. And, you know, maybe that startup will make its way around. But for right now, it's more about feeding into the future of what's possible with homily. Um, and I think even as a way of whenever you're starting something too, you're trying to um, lead with this authority and vulnerability and care for your audience, whatever you're trying to do this work for. And so when I say I'm a failed founder, talking to people who are trying to become founders, it can feel counterintuitive, but it's really trying to say like, um, I, I can, it's the why me, why now, why this is because I've been there. I'm also going there myself and, mm -hmm. and I've reckoned with the emotion that comes with pivoting, starting, relaunching, uh, disappointment and, and saying something failed like that, that I'm familiar with the personal journey as well as the organizational journey in those steps. And so I can, I'm not going to be afraid to be with you in those. Um, and that can come through, through content, through coaching, through, you know, the way we communicate, like in an email, but it is really, um, trying to speak to that personal experience. Um, yeah, there's a lot I can say there. And I think for me, even right now to be really vulnerable is like, I'm getting close to the point with homily where I was with that old startup and I'm having to do a lot of more personal work there too, and be like, okay, we're getting to the point where now, if we keep going, we'll be past the point I've ever been with a startup with a project like leading something my own and so we're getting into new territory that's going to um invite me into new personal work new rhythms new learnings new i'm getting to the point now where i'm back to not knowing anything <laughs> and that is an invitation i think for me and uh, all of us you know at every step and every stage yeah i was just talking to a mentor of mine and i was telling her um, that I feel like I'm on the brink of some type of breakthrough. And you know that feeling when you're like, I, I can see it. I can sense my mind and body responding to something that's right ahead almost. And um, she was like, well, what do you think it is? And I was like, I think there's a possibility that it might be like financial stability. Like, And I don't know how to be okay with that. Like, I don't know how to imagine that being real in my life. And I know that it's important. And I know that it's what I've been working towards, right? Like we're all working towards that in our careers or in our lives for whatever reason. And um, at the same time, I was like, I'm so, I, it's like, I'm keeping myself from taking that step over the, like the threshold of uh, what's new and what's abundant and why am I doing that and while you were kind of sharing that like I heard a little bit of that of like when you are navigating into this unknown 
territory, there's like these choices you make of I'm either going to go there or I'm going to keep resisting and resistance serves a purpose. You know, something it's something about the resistance of even really good things keeps us believing we're safe or believing something. Um, What would you say you feel like if there's anything that you're almost like resistant towards or just unsure about when you're navigating where you're going with homily right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the first is to recognize the resistance and then like to honor it, you know, because it is, you know, psychological safety. It's, it's keeping you in the familiar, um, however unfamiliar that may be to somebody else, it's your familiar. And so, you know, like the resistance is, whoa, we've kind of made our way here. We know what this is. Like, don't take me anywhere else. Um, But I do think it's like, one of the foundational beliefs of homily, like if I can just say anything to anybody, it's that the world needs what you're working on. And I say that it's not because it's that great of a project or an idea or that even that it's going to happen the way you imagine it in your brain, but the world needs what you're working on because it needs who you're going to become by working on it. And so the idea of pursuing financial stability, you know, in your story as I'm hearing it is good on its own. But the work it's going to take for you to, in that progression and pursue, reckon with those things. And so for me, it's this, it, it's, um, I, I feel an invitation by working on homily um, to become the kind of person that is, for me in this season, it's about building some self-trust um, that I can keep my promises to myself, you know, um, that I can... Um, I'm not just good in the beginning. I'm not just helpful with ideas, but I can accompany people through the hard parts of bringing it to life. You know, some of those messages that you pick up along the way that like only something like putting yourself out there through building a brand or building an organization or trying to start a project, only those things can surface that kind of work. You know, there's something unique about, um, about trying to start something about trying to grow an organization or a brand or a startup that that is just deep personal work and that's honestly what i care about what i i care about is the transformation and but i've just recognized how intimately we are our development and our work are like our growth as people and the work we do they're so intimately connected and there's a lot of um, you know, thought and, and really helpful thought in like a capitalistic society that's like, hey, you are not what you do. Don't put your identity in your work. And I think that's really good. But especially when it comes from like building something that is like a dream of yours or a passion or an idea you have, um, it is important to recognize that like your own formation and what happens with this thing are are connected or correlated in some way. So the world needs what you're working on, but it's because it needs who you're going to become by working on it. And like who I became by working on that first startup that failed, and you know I say that now, is somebody who had to reckon with those ego patterns, had to reckon with that, um, you know, those self-talk narratives and all those things, and um, and it's the same for this. And so we usually have like one or three things that we're working on constantly for the rest of our lives of just trying to really believe that about ourselves or really shed that. Um, belief that we inherited somewhere along the way. And it's just kind of going around that same loop up a mountain um, in new ways and new invitations. And so 
that's why I think it's so important and um, and so rich and meaningful, no matter how it turns out in the end. Yeah, you mentioned um, like the feeling of being like I'm really good for the first sixty minutes, or I'm really good for the first six months. Um, how long have you been married for? Yeah, we'll be we <laughs> eight years. No, eight just- years nine years in November in this upcoming okay. November. <laughs> nine yeah. years in November. And mm-hmm. then you have a three-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, how has those relationships kind of, sh- I mean, have they, how have they impacted how you view people and how you view um, your role in people's lives? And um, those, those aren't, you know, six month commitments you've made. Yeah, totally. They are my greatest teachers, Cindy and Bella. I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, Cindy is gifted and wired and just like the complete opposite. Any kind of personality test we do, any kind of anything we do, the more we learn about each other, what ha- what's it like to be inside the, each other's brains, or even just what it was like to be raised in the families we were raised in, complete opposite in, in almost every way. Um, and so such a good teacher in terms of the good that can happen with things like discipline and consistency and being really, um, focused on the here and the now and, and like, it's always an invitation to the here and the now. I I mean, I I live in my head so much with possibility, strategy, dreams, ideas, either mine or that of the people I'm coaching. (laughs) And I'm just there all the time. And anytime I interact with them, it's an invitation to come back into the moment, back into my body, back into what is, and find the same joy and energy and appreciation there as as I think there is in my, you know, grand plans on how to change the world. And Bella specifically, like, you know, it's it's an opportunity to kind of reparent yourself, you know, to, to um, reckon with the, how you view the world when you're watching somebody develop how they view the world. So... I mean, gosh, like the hours that it takes to just be with her in the morning to get her ready to to go to school and just ride the waves of just her asking questions and, um, you know, just getting dressed in the morning or like just hearing what her imagination is, like just being so present to that. It's fighting this impulse around, you know, like, oh, well, I could be doing this, that or the other, or I could be getting stuff done or I could be you know, having these experiences, it just locates you where you actually are. I think for me, that's what it's done. It's just kind of bring me back into the moment, into what's right in front of me and just finding all that I need is really there. You know, you can't actually find the support or resource you need in the future because you're not actually there. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so as much as I want to talk about, oh, in five years, this is what homily is going to look like, or this is how I'm going to be, or this is how we're going to grow and scale and impact. And then she comes to me and asks me to help her put her lovies to to sleep for their nap. And then it's like, I'm back <laughs> with what is. And then I, it's like, okay, there's an invitation to, to be here now, really. Hmm. I love that. I feel like, I, I, one, I feel like we could, I could have this conversation with you all day. Second of all, I would, I'm thinking, I'm already thinking like, Oh, the second time you're on this podcast, and then the third <laughs> in my head, I'm like, maybe you will just be a whole season. Let's um, do it. <laughs> but I think I would love to have you and Cindy kind of even just sharing. I love opposite when opposites are able to um really bring out 
the best in one another. And, and that's what it kind of sounds like. And yeah, so I just, I'm, yeah, I just like, I want to hang out with you guys. Come yeah. to Mexico. <laughs> oh, okay. That's an invitation. We will definitely, definitely. Yes. That. But definitely yes. for her too. It's been really cool since we've moved here. Like I mentioned, like she's her opportunity, her trajectory is what brought us here. And I keep saying this is Cindy's season. Like she's just said yes to so many things that maybe weren't on the purview before. And in a lot of ways, our, our growth trajectories have been different. Mine has been to a consistency, inner consistency, and a discipline of showing up to the work. And hers has been being, like, from my perspective, just open up to what's possible and, like, really what what she could be contributing to and ha how she's responded to that with a ton of courage and grace. And so it's a gift to just bear witness um, to that. And... Um, and and it's funny to watch the opposite starting points, also the opposite trajectories and how we get to kind of accompany each other with that. And I don't think that's just true for like a romantic relationship or, you know, for life partners, but like to think about just the people in your life and, and who they're becoming by the work they're doing and the things they're showing up with and um, and to bear witness is just the greatest, greatest gift. Yeah, yeah. Um... I'm going to try to frame this question, but if it doesn't make sense, tell me. <laughs> I think, you know, so much of our world right now is shifting and in really challenging ways and, and in really beautiful ways. And I think people are trying to find their place in it. And for a long time, people have done what people have done just because they've done it a certain way. And that framework is shifting. And we're seeing a lot of changes in our educational system, a lot of needed changes in our uh, career systems. And um, not just in the States, but I think globally, we're beginning to see people find their voices and find their gifts. And um, I'm curious for you as a person who's really one committed to learning, but then two committed to walking and navigating closely with people who are trying to do this. What makes you excited about our world right now? Like what gives you hope at the end of the day? Yeah. I think uh, there's a couple of things I'll say to this on a macro level, you know, I serve as the director of strategy and content for Ignite Institute. Um, which is in the area of education, you know, it's a graduate school initiative and we're working on some projects that are really innovative. I mean, trying to leverage technology and reimagine, you know, credentials um, and, and bring together partners to do some really incredible work for leaders who kind of hold these same commitments. Um, and the more and more I talk to partners in that space, the more I, I I'm encouraged and I find hope in just the fact that people in something as like institutional and archaic as like education, higher education, are still seeing the same things. They're like, you know, we've been surprised by the time that like, we get to somebody to have a partner and we feel like we're gonna have to cast this vision for some innovative project. They're like, oh, we've been thinking about that. And, and it's like, oh, we are in a moment where the people who have eyes to see and have ears to hear are also um catching that this is a moment of really reckoning with the status quo of everything and designing the world's best future together and it's not so optimistic like that you know it's not just like okay great we're gonna go do it but it is like 
people in their own context. I get really excited when I see people just like so contextual. It's them in their industry or their community. It's their uniqueness as a person. They've integrated their story, their identities, their heritage, uh, and and they're bringing that uniqueness to the work that they're doing. And it's different because it's them. And that's one thing. Like if you feel like you're starting something or you want to like create some kind of change, and but it's been done before, or other people are doing it, what feels better to you? It's different because it's you. And the more you can bring that uniqueness. The, and and reckon with it and lead with it. Um, the the more genuine it'll be, and so the more it'll actually have an impact. And that's where I feel like what gives me hope is when I see people doing that, just like in categories of their own, but for their people or their community, not necessarily trying to just catch the attention of the algorithm or like <laughs>、um, whatever their like Social status is in their world, like, but to genuinely just be them and do the work that's important to them for the people that's important to them, and then it's like ah,、oh, it's a refreshing sense of hope for me because then, it, like I said, it returns me back to my world and my work and my own uniqueness.、Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think on a on a micro level too, where I find a lot of hope is when I spend time with people that like don't care what I do. <laughs> I think it's really important for us to have relationships that are not mediated by a role, you know.、Mm-hmm. Oh, my mentor, my coach, my mentee, my colleague, my my peer, my boss, my employee, my like all those role-mediated relationships serve a real genuine purpose. But the more you can get, be in relationships and consistent conversations with community, that when people just either don't care, don't get, or don't know what. That is for you. What that work is, or what your role is, like, and it's just a human to human connection. Anytime I get in those kind of spaces, it just it turns the volume down on all of the blue, like you know pressures and challenges I'm facing in my work,、um, because it's like there's a version of me that is untouched by the outcome of these choices, and that's the one that is being nourished by these relationships, and so.、Uh, That I can trust, I can lean, and then I can risk. Then I'm brave again. Then I'm courageous again in the work, because my soul standing as a person is not tied up in the outcome.、Mm-hmm. Gosh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. I hear that and just、um, agree. I think I I learned a lot this past year in、um, being in a different country, but also, and people are often like, "Oh, is it hard with the language barrier?" and I think it's not hard with the language barrier because so many people speak English, which I'm like very thankful for, and I wish my Spanish was better. But right now, my Spanish is just like comical to most people,、um, which serves its purpose. <laughs> But it brought me back to a very surface level, foundational: how do we know each other? How do we get to know one another without a credential or without? A certain type of introduction, or without even having to have something in common, you know, to just sit with a person and to see a person in front of you, and I think that's something I've just been really grateful for. Here are the relationships that have just chosen to see me as a person, aside from what I'm doing or creating or what change I'm making or what change I feel like I'm not making.、Um, And that those conversations have 
come secondary to, to really just seeing a human being in front of you and learning to care for that person. And yeah, it's been like a gift in a way that I thought that was going to be the most challenging aspect, right? (laughs) It's just been a gift to come back to that place. And um, yeah, I want to be sensitive of your time and also just want to thank you. I think um, I'm very thankful for this conversation that we get to have. And I'm also really thankful. I think something I don't know if you're you're aware of this but like even the acronyms you come up with and like the way you speak has this visual aspect to it so Mm -hmm. when you talk like I can see what you're saying in cool different ways and then if you know if anyone does follow you on social media or even sees you know the website and things like that you have such an incredible way of communicating tough things in very simple tangible meaningful ways and I just really value that and I'm just so excited to to have people I'm going to stay very curious on how this conversation might be a catalyst for people um and of course I'll put resources that I have and then anything else you want to add to that so um maybe books you're reading right now I'll include your website uh ways to stay in connection but yeah, well, thank you. I mean, first of all, that is like such a gift of of affirmation and com- uh, compliment to me. One of the reasons why I branded it homily, you know, um, homily is a short like um, spiritual conversation. Some people think about it like a sermon, but it's like a short kind of message to to get people to this moment of epiphany, of aha realization when everything connects. Back to our earlier thoughts on connection. And, um, and that's how I grew up. I grew up in, you know, my, my dad was a minister. And so he did preaching. It was all about getting people to this moment of like a aha. And that's become, I think, on one of those through lines of my life is just even as I, how I view parenting, uh, partnership, um, work and serving the people I do is just creating these moments of epiphany. Um, so to hear that affirmed is really, um, really meaningful and special to me. And absolutely, I'm grateful for this conversation space you created and then just to know the community that you're creating around these kind of conversations um is again one of those things i put in my pocket for like when it's hard and it feels you feel alone in it that there's 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 others and it's happening and we're in a moment to do it together which is really cool and absolutely i will think of resources uh, and please just an invitation to you and to your your community here to reach out um if you need a thought partner um, if there's ways we can help um, accompany each other to what we're working on and who we're becoming by it. That's what this is about. So definitely very grateful. If what you want is to brighten up your week, a joke may Know those times when you hear parents tell like oh let me tell you this funny story that little timmy did and no it's not funny because it's like <laughs> so inside joke on inside joke that it's just not it's not funny to everybody else so that's my biggest fears i'm nervous about that being like one of those parents um <laughs> the funniest thing that she's doing right now is because you know we're like a bilingual household my spanish is terrible too cindy is colombian she is fluent her family all speaks spanish so um 
Bella thinks she speaks Spanish and she's just talking nonsense. And so anytime she's saying something nonsense, just like, and we're like, what was that? She goes, uh, that's how you say Cheerios in Spanish. And she just is deciding what is Spanish and not. And the other day she was talking to my mother-in-law and, and she just started going off and she's like, what is that? And she goes, well, that's how you say happy birthday in Spanish. And it's funny and uh, we got to correct it. We got to fix it. But uh, right now we're just letting it go and asking her, how do you say that in Spanish? Um, but I'm afraid she's going to do that to somebody <laughs> and like offend them. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Giving Gifts. Like, share, and subscribe. This show is the shit. Spread some love and joy. Know that you're a